Welcome to The Real Deal with Jason Silverman, the podcast dedicated to helping you build the business of your dreams and live the life you always hoped for, with valuable and fun tips and info to make your life easier and more fun. And now, here's your host, a man who sprinkles metal shavings on his breakfast cereal just for fun, Jason Silverman. Hello, everybody, and welcome to The Real Deal with Jason Silverman. I'm your host, Jason Silverman, and I'm thrilled to share some time with you once again today. We are in the middle of a beautiful New Jersey summer once again. I absolutely love it. You know, the fact that we actually have all the seasons here, you know, a couple couple months of uh, heat and humidity and uh, eight or nine months of snow and ice, um, all sorts of fun. Uh Couple that with a bunch of months of falling leaves, and you've got a great year. So in any case, um, right now we have the uh, the heat, and, and I'm definitely digging it. In any case, my travel schedule has been crazy, crazy, crazy bananas all summer. Um, I've actually been on a train almost every single weekend, um, and I'm proud to say that my travel is now done, and I get to actually enjoy some time with my family. So, you know... Obviously, I love the opportunity of getting out there and meeting our clients and welcoming new clients aboard, but I am thrilled to uh, keep my rear end off of an airplane seat and uh, in my home. So, hope you are also enjoying a fabulous summer. In any case, when I looked at my calendar this morning, I was super excited. You know, anytime I get the opportunity to share some time with people who I feel are really smart and really great at relaying that wisdom to others, it's going to be a great day, and today is one of those days. As many of you know, I tend to focus on topics here at The Real Deal that I'm personally interested in, and today I'm ultra interested in today's guest experience and expertise. In my search to continually bring both interesting as well as super beneficial guests, today's show is spot on. I wanted to introduce my listeners to somebody who plays the game full out and has been there and done that, and most importantly, has the ability to help others to successfully follow in his footsteps. Now, for the folks who I work with in any of my coaching programs, mastermind groups, or through Powerful Words Character Development, All-Star Cheer Sites, or Dance Sites Done Right, you know how much I focus on the importance of properly leveraging technology to help our businesses thrive, right? Well, today's show is going to help us to do just that. So, today it's going to be my honor and privilege to share an amazing resource with you. You're going to love today's guest. He's got a ton of valuable info to help you succeed, as well as a fun way to deliver it. So, I want you to strap yourself in. Today's show is going to be a blast. As I'm sure you already know, I'm committed to helping business owners just like you to become more successful, enjoy your career more, and in general, make life significantly more fun. All right, boys and girls, it is now that time. I want you to stop surfing Facebook, get off of Twitter, put away your phone, your tablet, your dog, your cat, your child, your spouse, anything that might possibly distract you from today's show. You're about to get some great and immediately implementable information, and I don't want you to miss even a second. So, before we officially get going, let me give you a little bit of background about our guest today. Tyler Anderson is the founder and CEO of Casual Fridays, a social media and content marketing agency and creators of Scorecard Social, a competitive social media benchmarking tool. Tyler's worked on over 100 brand social media initiatives, including top brands like Penske Automotive and Marriott International. Tyler also hosts the Social Media Social Hour, a top-ranked social media marketing podcast on iTunes, and puts on Social Media Day San Diego, one of the top social media day events worldwide. Fabulous, fabulous. Tyler, welcome to The Real Deal. I'm thrilled to have you today. Hey, Jason. Absolute pleasure to be here today. 
spectacular. So before we get started, you know, for those who haven't had the opportunity and pleasure of meeting you or hearing you speak, would you take a second, share your story with our listeners? You know, what are you passionate about? What makes you tick? Who is Tyler Anderson? Yeah, I know. Well, you know, first off, um, again, thanks so much for having me here. Uh, you know, what makes me, what, what really kind of makes me tick, obviously, like many people, I mean, family first. I, you know, busy guy, got three kids, sounds like you're a family man as well. Yes, sir. Um, so we all, we all know how, how that can just take, um, a ton of time, but it's well worth it. But, so obviously the family makes me tick. But outside of that, it, it's really my passions, which is what, what revolve around my career. And that's, you know, I, I love social media. I love advertising. I love marketing. Um, you know, it's not work when it's something that you're passionate about. So for me to take a good 30, 40 minutes every morning and just scouring about 50 various tech blogs, social media blogs, so I can stay on top of it, to, to me, that's fun, man. <laughs> that's, that's, that's not a job. So I, I love it first and foremost. But uh, that's what makes me tick as far as, you know, my story, you know, much like many people, um, first couple jobs out of college, I hated, you know, like a lot of people. And uh, I'm, I'm 36 now, but back when I was like 23, 24, um, there's this little social network out there called MySpace. <laughs> and, uh, uh, you know, it's back, you know, pre, this is pre-Facebook days. Uh, I was all over this thing. I, I mean, I don't have any official word or anything like that, but I, I really do, in my gut, think I was probably one of the first 1,000 people on the social network. I remember goofing off on it in like 2003. Um, and uh, so it was totally an early adapter to these social networks. And even really before that, I think it kind of started in college when it was like chat rooms. I remember being like on fantasy football chat rooms in the late 90s and talking to other guys on the Internet and other states. And it was crazy. And to me, that's really where social media all really kind of began. And so you fast forward to uh, about 2009, and, and I, you know, was in advertising and marketing. I, I did work in the traditional space. I worked in radio. And... Um, I just, I kind of saw a huge gap. Like a lot of the traditional ad agencies really didn't treat social media as a serious channel or a platform to, to reach people. And, you know, the quote unquote digital agencies at that time, really all they did was build websites and do SEO work, which now, you know, not, not that SEO is dead, but so much of SEO is, is social media nowadays. So um, there's really no one who was specializing in social back then, at least in the Southern California market. And that's, that's when I uh, founded and launched Casual Fridays. Very cool. Very, very cool. Well, I'm excited to dig more in. So, you know, one of uh, one of the biggest things that, one of the, I guess, most commonly asked questions is about Facebook, because that seems to be where all of our clients are and all of our clients' clients at the moment. So, let me, uh, let me, let me start my questions here. So, Facebook is clearly now a pay-to-play platform, right? So, how can local small businesses use Facebook to, you know, both engage with their customers, their clients, their prospects, and I'll ask this question: Do you feel like Facebook ads are completely mandatory now? So it's it's definitely you know interesting. I mean, you you know, it's you, you said it's absolutely a pay-to-play platform, and for the most part, you know, it, it is if you're especially just getting started or if you're a small business. Um, you know, gone are the days where you could go ahead and create a pro or a social or a Facebook identity, I should say, or Facebook page. You know, like you could in 2009 and 10, and really get like a strong organic presence. You know, back in the early days, and again, when I say early days, I'm talking 2009, 10, maybe even 2011. You know, you could you could grow your your presence and, and build a um, almost like you're a, a viable platform for yourself to go out there and reach people organically, and you'd reach about 20 to 30 percent if you're doing a great job. And to, to your point now, organically to reach your even your own audience now, it's pretty much around six percent. And there's some talks that it's going to get down to one to two percent, 
So I mean, think about that. I mean, if you're if you have a Facebook page of you know a thousand people, which is pretty average for a lot of small businesses. Like if you're a small business, it's really hard to get over a thousand fans, and you're only be maybe reaching one to two percent of them. Some it's it's a very legitimate question. Like, is this worth the effort? Um, and, and, and certainly it can be, but you gotta, you know, you gotta be really particular in what your strategy is. And, and I definitely do think Facebook ads, you know, are gonna be a component that you have to account and put in your budget to really maximize and leverage the platform. But the kicker is though, you can get so much value for such a minimal spend on Facebook. And if you're, if it's, it's smart marketing, if you're doing it, you know, intelligently, you can stretch those dollars so far and so much further than you could through any community magazine. Than any you know newspaper, radio ad, whatever it may be, you know, even if it's a public service television you know, spot, <laughs> which are pretty cheap. I mean, your cost per thousand on Facebook is going to be so much more affordable than anything uh, from a traditional uh, traditional advertising standpoint. So yeah, I, I do think it's kind of becoming a necessary component of of social media. That said, it doesn't mean you should just totally abandon your organic approach. There are things you can do, and particularly for your audience. I mean, if you're a small little regional business or even like a local business and you're targeting, you know, parents with kids, um, you know, word of mouth marketing is still the root of what social media is. You, you want those people to become your brand advocates and brand champions. And it's so, there, there's a little misconception out there, with, with not just with Facebook, with all of social media. I think businesses had it in their head that they could go out there and they create a presence and they get new fans, fans that never even like tried their products or services before, and then those new fans would equate to new customers and new sales. And that's really not the case. I mean most people who are going to become your your current fans or your your your, your new fans, I guess you could say, are going to be your current or past customers. So you got to convert them first. Then they then become your brand advocates. And then that's where you're you know you're hoping that through the power of influence they're bringing you new you know customers through referrals. So um, yeah there's definitely an organic uh, angle to it, but definitely a paid tactic with through the form of Facebook ads is, is kind of where it's going, for sure. Understood. All right. This is, um, I think this, this may be more vocabulary-based, but I think it's going to be important for a lot of my people because I'm not sure that everybody understands the difference. Can you break down the difference between boosting a Facebook post and running an ad? Yeah, so, you know, we, we used to kind of joke about this. Like, I think the boost post button, gosh, might already be two years old now. Um, <laughs> we used to just tell people stay away from it, um, and, and for the most part, we still do encourage that. Um, they they've since changed this. Now, two years ago, when you just hit that boost post button, you had no control over it whatsoever. All that really meant is Facebook was just to make sure that that, that got more eyeballs on uh, people who are your fans or just throughout the Facebook platform. But there's no targeting. So if you're a if you own a dance studio in, in Hoboken, New Jersey, and your audience is really in and around the Hoboken, New Jersey area. That does you no good if you're targeting, you know, parents and, and people in, in San Diego or even, you know, Canada. Um, and that, that's kind of what that boost post button used to be. It was very general, broad. They've since allowed you to do some components to it to, to kind of get a little bit more targeted with it. But still, bar none, you're going to have much more success if you take some time and learn how to use the Facebook ads platform. And more importantly, if you learn how to use the Power Editor, which is a totally free tool. It's an extension that can work in, in web browsers such as Chrome or Firefox. And it's a Facebook tool, and it allows you to run much more like robust Facebook ads and even get kind of more enhanced functionality within those ads. So it's, it's really essentially the same thing. Just Boost Post takes your current post, and it puts it out in the newsfeed or other newsfeeds you're targeting, 
or a Facebook ad, you can still create a post, but you just have much more control and flexibility in where you want it to go and how you want it to look. And you, know, you could run multiple variations of it. You could technically even run what we call dark posts. So you could even have something that's going to be displayed, like and it'll appear in people's news feeds. It's going to look like it's a Facebook post, but it's not going to be visible on your own personal page. So if you were to go to your business page, you won't see it, but it's still reaching the news feeds of pin, pinpoint people who you're targeting. Understood. Understood. And would you suggest that the whole uh, custom audience component is an important component that folks know about? Absolutely. Uh, and for the listeners out there who maybe aren't familiar with custom audiences are, you know, again, let's just pretend, let's just stick with the example, you're a dance studio in Hoboken, New Jersey. You know, hopefully, if you haven't been doing this, you want to make it a part of your, um, your plan. You want to start collecting emails, you know, create a database of you know, your current customers and past customers and get those emails. And what a custom audience is, is you can basically then go use the Power Editor tool and you can basically determine if any of those email addresses are tied to a Facebook account. And if they are, now you have the option to target those people. So again, it's smart marketing. These are people who have been in your studio before or been in your business or you know, use it in the past. And those are the people who are most likely um, to become returning customers. So you can target them. And then taking it one step further, what's even really cool about that is this feature that is called lookalike audiences. So let's just say you have like 4,000 email addresses that you discovered are on Facebook. Um, you can now create what we call lookalike audience, which Facebook can take all the data that it has from these people's profiles and, and find other people on Facebook within the regions that you're looking for very similar to those people. So, for example, if you're targeting, you know, one of those emails is a 36-year-old mom with three kids who, you know, loves Real Housewives of New Jersey or God knows what. I mean, there's all these factors. They can find similar people that fit that criteria. And, and those have been very effective to target to as well with ads. Got it. Okay, fabulous. Thank you. Thank you for actually uh, for defining that. I think that that's going to help. Um, I want to I want to move over for a second because this one I actually know close to nothing about, but I, I probably should. So, what the hell is Snapchat, and uh, how can a small business use it for marketing purposes? So Snapchat is uh, you know it's interesting that you say this, and I'll try to find the link and send it to you for your show notes. But just yesterday they even put out a guide like Snap, like the, the dummies guide to using Snapchat. <laughs> so perfect for me. Great. Let's head over to you. Uh, yeah, essentially, what Snapchat is is it's a it's a it's a messaging platform. You know, it's not a, a true social network where there's a lot of you know two way public conversation. Basically. Uh, you and I can both use the platform and I can take a photo and I can send it to you and I can set a timer when that photo is going to disappear. It could be anywhere from a second to 10 seconds. You can also publish to what is called a timeline and those photos will uh, have a life of 24 hours. So um, brands are, are jumping on board. Um, it, you know, it definitely is huge in the teen demographic. Um, I, I will say this, you know, there's there's a lot of articles, you know, earlier in the year, at the end of at the end of last year, end of 2013, and early part of 2014, and people kind of were like saying, oh, is Facebook going to die? Is, is Snapchat going to replace it? Because all these teens are on it. And while it is, you know, widely popular with the teen demographic, I mean, Facebook still has a huge, um, it's that teen demo. So I don't I don't think like Facebook's going to be overtaken by any step of the imagination by Snapchat, but. I think you know what we're finding is people are using multiple platforms, and so I think someday these these 18, 19, 20 year olds who are on Snapchat are going to wake up and realize some of the stuff they they can't believe that they probably posted on there because they're just you know <laughs> vulgar stuff, I guess you could say. Um, but you know it, it's it's one of those things, and they'll probably ban it. And I think Facebook's going to have a little bit more of a longer shelf life. I think people use it kind of as their 
their lifetime yearbook. But going back to Snapchat, um, so yeah, you, you can basically set timers on when these messages are gonna you know disappear. You can draw on them, you can write text on them. So it's almost like a combination of photo texting. I mean, there's people who are having straight up conversations with two people um, back and forth just by posting what's called snaps. Um, they do have the ability to do video, so you can record up to like 10 seconds of video and again send that. But there's no mass publishing except for brands who want to publish it to that 24-hour timeline. Um, the, the best brand that I can think of who does a fantastic job with using it and is a brand that you really probably wouldn't even think of, uh, but the New Orleans Saints of the National Football League. And you're seeing more big brands jump on the Snapchat bandwagon now. And really the best way to leverage that tool is to provide um, exclusive content. You know, one of the biggest mistakes any business can do is, you know, basically create the exact same content for Facebook, for Twitter, for Instagram, and Snapchat. I mean, because there's, no, there's nothing uh, different about the content. Like, there's no incentive for me to go on Snapchat if the same content you're posting there is the exact same stuff I'm going to find on any of your other social networks. And so what the Saints do is they'll put exclusive content only on Snapchat. So um, that's the number one reason why people would maybe want to follow that brand or engage with that brand is because they're seeing content that they're not going to see anywhere else. And just to give, give an example of what they're doing, um, you know, they might do like a personalized message from Drew Brees. It might be a 10-second video. Or during game days last year, they would actually go inside the huddle during pregame warm-ups and like, let you see how they, they fire up the team. Um, from a contesting standpoint, they've done pictures where they'll take their, their superstar tight end, Jimmy Graham, and they'll just take a picture, and he's holding, like, a whiteboard with instructions to a contest that they're running, like, maybe on Instagram or Twitter. So the only way you know about this contest is if you follow them on Snapchat. So um, kind of having that hidden, exclusive content, that's that's kind of how brands are using it. Um, and, again, it's widely popular with the teens. It's, it's You know, I'd say it's core demo, that 16- to 24-year-old. Um, but then, of course, you know, there's you're starting to see some of you know the the, the, the earlier millennials, I'd say, like any, anywhere from that, or I'm sorry, the later millennials, like the 25 to 34. I mean, you're getting some adoption on there, but nothing mainstream. Understood, understood. Here's a question I get asked an awful lot, so I'd love your answer on this. How many times a day should a business be posting to each social media platform, ideally? That's a great question. <laughs> um, obviously, it differs by uh, platform. Um, you know, first and foremost, with any piece of content, you know, there, there's a couple of phrases. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go ahead and give credit here. Uh, Zach King is a guy we actually had out at Social Media Day. Uh, if you don't know him, you should check him out. He's awesome when it comes to Vine. He's like a Vine magician. But, um, you know, he, he says publishing everywhere is publishing nowhere. So it kind of goes back to the same thing. If you're publishing the same content all across the board everywhere, it's just going to be boring and redundant. And it comes back to having just quality content. So, to me, you know, if you have quality content, there's really no restriction of how often you should be posting. If you have enough content to be posting like four or five times on Facebook a day and you have a, a, a sizable fan base to actually support it, great. But if you don't have a huge fan base and you don't, you know, just it doesn't do you any good to post for the sake of posting um, unless you have great quality content. I mean, that's really what it comes down to. Um, so, again, it does d d depend on each network. Uh, for example, Facebook does have you know, the newsfeed algorithm. So even if you post something right now, there's no guarantee that it's going to show up in everybody's newsfeeds, as we all know. But um, you know, I don't know if you've noticed this, Jason. A lot of times, even when I go on Facebook nowadays, a lot of the content I'm seeing is even like a day old. You know, um, right. it's, it's been deemed popular by their algorithm. So um, you, know, the, you, you could post something to yesterday, and you could post three things today, but yet I still might be seeing that, that new feed algorithm may have only served up that piece of content from yesterday to my news feed. So um, you know, with Facebook, 
generally, you know, the, the rule of thumb is, you know, you never want to post more than a couple times within, you know, a two or three hour period. Um, but for the listeners out there who, who really want to know, you know, maybe when is the best time to post, if you go into Facebook Insights, which is a free tool for any page, it actually will tell you the time when your audience is most likely on Facebook. So you can kind of get an idea of when the appropriate posting schedule would be. And then really just comes down to how much good content can you put out. Um, you know, I, I definitely do. I'm, I'm of the mindset you should be trying to post daily, at least once a day. And if you can post multiple times a day, if you have the content, great. But again, uh, don't compromise your content just to post. Uh, with the other networks, it's, it's you know kind of goes back to again, you know, how big is your audience? If if you know you're on Instagram and you know you have a pretty big following, so you know you can be putting out a lot of content to reach a lot of them. That's that's fine. Post multiple times a day. But if you only have like 10 people following you. And you're posting a ton of stuff all day long. Odds are you might kind of be, you know, showing up in their news feeds a little bit more. It's it's going to be a little frustrating, and you're probably not going to get the growth you want. And then Twitter, of course, is, you know, Twitter. My, my advice with Twitter is this: for brands out there, it, it, it totally forced me. They join Twitter and they just start putting out a bunch of self-serving tweets. Any Twitter strategy, seventy percent of your focus should be engaging with others. You know, so if you're a business, what other businesses in your market or your area can you be engaging with? I'd focus more on like searching viable terms and joining conversations on Twitter. Because Twitter, there's so much noise on that timeline. Uh, if somebody follows 400 people on Twitter, you know, if they go to their, their timeline on Twitter, they're just seeing a lot of tweets starting to stroll through. And it's virtually impossible to read every single tweet. The one tweet that everybody pays attention to is their at mentions. So when you mention somebody on Twitter, you know someone is actually reading that tweet. A lot of tweets I'd actually argue a lot of people never even read. So um, I would focus a lot of engage a lot of um, engaging tactics with Twitter. Um, you know, yes, you still want to promote some of your stuff and get out your own content, but really the the, the true traction is going to be coming in, in your engagement. And again, that just goes back to you know what do you have that's meaningful to say? If you don't have anything meaningful to say, I wouldn't be talking. <laughs> but if you can contribute, um, you know, for any business, this this little rule of thumb kind of holds true to every social network. What are you doing to help people? How are you educating them? And basically, how are you informing them? Like, that's that's what you want to do. You want to be helpful. Helping is selling, as our good friend Jay Bear says. Um, you don't want to sit there and just have a, a one-way conversation, be self-promotional, talk about yourself, talk about your business. That does no good to your customers or your audiences. What problems can you solve for them? That's the question you got to ask, and that's like where all your content should be revolving around. That makes sense. That absolutely makes sense. Let me, let me ask you this question, because... I understand it on certain mediums, but I don't understand it on others, and that's the whole hashtag thing. So, you know, how should business owners learn, number one, what hashtags are, which ones are most effective, and I, I got to know personally, are hashtags even useful on Facebook at this point? Well, with Facebook, there's certainly some restrictions because a lot of people have their, their because of privacy, it's, it's really weird, because of privacy, everybody's profiles are totally public, uh, or are private on Facebook, but then they have them set to, you know, public on, on sites like Instagram and Twitter, so go figure, but, yeah, on, on overall, I still think hashtags are great, I think as a whole, you definitely should want to promote hashtags, because it goes back to the point I made earlier, people are on multiple social networks, so, you know, it floors me when you walk into businesses and they're just like, oh, like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter. Like, there's no incentive for that whatsoever. Why would they want to follow you? Why would they want to like you? What's in it for them? And furthermore, like, it's a pain in the butt to go find a lot of businesses on Facebook. It's not easy just to go search for companies on Facebook. Uh, so you gotta, you know, you gotta specifically tell them where they can go ahead and engage with you. And I think sometimes that's the easiest way to do it is through the form of hashtags. 
you know, um, having a, a unified hashtag for your brand or business and promote that throughout your, your facility, promote it through in your store, in your marketing materials, letting people know like, hey, join the conversation, share with us your experiences and promote that hashtag. And then that's on you though to go find those people who are doing that. But now you're telling them what to tag, you know, their experiences with and you can go find them on the platform that they're going to use because again, we said earlier, People are on multiple platforms. Some people like Twitter. Some people like Instagram. Some people like Facebook. Some people like Pinterest. Some people like Snapchat. But those hashtags make that content a little bit more uh, searchable and easier to find. But to your point, it is a little bit more complicated with Facebook because a lot of people have their profiles set to uh, private, so those hashtags aren't as easy to discover. Um, so I mean, I still think you you know you want to use them, but certainly they're they're not as as easy, I should say, as they are on sites like Instagram or uh, Twitter or even Google Plus for that matter. So, but I, I do I, I'm I'm big on hashtags. I think they're great. It's easy to um, you know, like I said, to discover things and, and a useful tool that Twitter actually is playing around with right now. They are testing this out um, as we record this, and I don't know if it'll be mainstream in the next couple of weeks, but hopefully next couple of months is they're actually um, trying a new little feature where they're actually going to tell you what each hashtag means. So when you search these hashtags sometimes, I don't know if you've ever done this, Jason, but it's, it's a pain in the butt sometimes. You'll, you'll find a hashtag where, well, that's cool. What, what is this? Why are people talking about this? Exactly. Scrolling through a bunch of tweets, you have no clue what it's about. Well, this would maybe be a pretty cool tool that Twitter's going to be rolling out here soon. Oh, I love it. I love it. I love it. Wow. Okay. Folks, it is time for our resource of the week. So... Tyler, let me ask you this. How can our listeners find out more about you, about some of the services that you offer? Because you're, you're clearly uh, just a wealth of information. And I mean, I've, I've taken what, a page and a half of notes already for my, own, for my own business here. So how can people find out more about you? So uh, everything's on the website. Just go to casualfridays.com. That's actually, you know, one, it'll find all the services we do, but that's also, we have our blog on there and as well as the podcast is on there. So we, I myself have a podcast. It's a social media social hour. Um, each week I bring to people like one of the major thought leaders out there um, and we'll, we'll go really deep on a platform. So one episode we might go deep on Instagram, one we might go deep into Facebook advertising, or we might go into SlideShare, I mean LinkedIn. I mean, we, we, each week we hit a new topic. So podcast, the blog, everything can be found at casualfridays.com. Fabulous. That will be a place I am spending a good amount of time. Um, all right. If you could give business owners just one solid piece of advice to either help their business or, more importantly, help them to live a better life, what would you say that piece of advice would be? I think it's, it goes back to something I said a little earlier in here. I, I would take a step back and don't think about how you're going to monetize your business, how you're going to you know, create these how your next big you know, get-rich moment or whatever. I would take that step back and ask yourself, look yourself in the mirror, like, what problems do you solve? If you're not solving any problems, you gotta you got to work on that. But... You gotta ask what problems you solve and, and, and keep that as like your mantra and really drill in, you know, specifically what things you wanna do in your industry or in your niche or whatever it is that is gonna solve problems for your customers. And if you do that, then sky's the limit, you know, you're, you're pretty much on your way. This is brilliant advice. I love that. What problems do I solve? Folks, think about that. <laughs> this is, uh, this is fabulous. All right. Tyler, thank you so much for joining me today. You know, I know how busy your schedule is, and I really appreciate you sharing some of your time and some of your wisdom with us. Really appreciate it. Hey, no problem at all. Absolutely. Folks, that is all the time we've got today. Thanks for tuning into The Real Deal with Jason Silverman. For more information about private coaching or to see if you'd benefit from one of our mastermind groups, visit me over at www.jasonmsilverman.com. I look forward to helping you achieve the success that you truly deserve. Until next time, let me leave you with this. 
Get out there and be the real deal. Set a goal, make a plan, and work like hell towards it so that you achieve the success that you deserve. Now's the time. Get out there and make it happen. Go get them, folks. This has been Jason Silverman, and I hope you have a spectacular week. You've been listening to The Real Deal with Jason Silverman. To access the great resources mentioned in the show and for information on coaching and mastermind group opportunities with Jason, please visit JasonMSilverman.com.